Welcome back to the Jesus is for Real podcast. If you're listening, it's for a reason, and I'm glad you're here. I'm your host, John, and in this episode, you will learn all about Colton Burpo's story and Heaven is for Real. Let's get started. Colton Burpo was born on May 19, 1999, in Imperial, Nebraska, to parents Todd and Sonia Burpo. Todd was a pastor at a local church, and Sonia worked as a teacher. In 2003, when Colton was just four years old, he became seriously ill with a ruptured appendix. He was rushed to the hospital, where he underwent emergency surgery. According to Colton and his family, during the surgery, he had a near-death experience where he visited heaven and met Jesus, as well as other deceased family members he had never met before. After his recovery, Colton began to talk about his experience, telling his parents about the things he had seen and heard while in heaven. His father, Todd, wrote a book about Colton's experience titled Heaven is for Real, which was published in 2010. In 2014, a movie adaptation of the book was released. Here is Colton and his father talking about their experience. From the best-selling book. And he started throwing up into the toilet. A trip to the hospital and beyond. Daddy, don't let him take me. Daddy, don't let him take me. An eyewitness account of the afterlife. I was in the throne room of God to start with, so I got to see what that looked like. The authors of the book, Heaven is for Real, join us live on today's 700 Club. Well, today, Colton Burpo is 13 years old, and like many kids his age, he goes to school, plays sports. But unlike his peers, Colton has a story that's been heard around the world, a story that began 10 years ago when he almost died. Looking at Colton Burpo now, you would never guess that he almost died in 2003. His father, Todd, tells about Colton's near-death experience in the New York Times best-selling book, Heaven is for Real. He started throwing up into the toilet, you know, and uh, at first we're like, okay, he's got the stomach flu because the doctor said it was going around. As days passed, Colton's condition only got worse. Then his doctor discovered his appendix had burst and infection was spreading throughout his body. Time was running out. Someone came to us and started talking to us that uh, we got to have surgery on your kid. It was tough. Um, seeing your boy be lifeless when he was a very vibrant child. And it was at that moment that we were looking at each other. I remember my wife holding Colton in that hallway, just us. He's not even moving. We went to the surgery prep area, and I remember them hauling him away and him just yelling at me, Daddy, don't let him take me. Daddy, don't let him take me. Uh, for the rest of the story, joining us is the Burpo family. Todd, Sonia, and Colton, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Um, Colton, did, at what point in, in time did you know that you were really um, sort of in trouble? Was it when you were getting wheeled away from your dad? Well, I just didn't like... I'm not sure when I was actually in trouble. I just didn't like getting poked with needles, so... I don't either. No, that's, that's <laughs> not a good thing. Um, you say angels and Jesus came to you and took you to heaven. Um, 
the, the, they just show up in the operating room? Um, actually, Jesus showed up first, mm -hmm. and he helped calm me down because I was scared at first. I wasn't sure what was happening. Then he, he had the angels sing to me, and that calmed me down. What did they say? Well, they sang, Jesus loves me, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Those were my favorite songs at the time, but... So they sang to you songs that you had learned in church? Um, yes. I find that pretty incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and that seemed to be a recurring thing, theme in, in this whole journey, how much both Jesus and God the Father tried to calm you and reassure you that everything was okay. What did, what did, when, you went to the, when, when you went to the throne room, because that was the next spot, what did God do for you? Well, God, he was just there. He was just a being that radiated love. And even though he's so big, you're not scared of him because he loves you so much. And what he did is he helped make heaven be a happy place. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to put it. Um, what do you remember most about seeing Jesus? Well, I probably remember that I spent a lot of time with him. A majority of the time I was in heaven, I was with Jesus. What do you, what do you remember about his eyes? Well, his eyes, they were unlike any other that I've seen. They were just sparkling. What do you mean by that? Light coming out of them? Or? Well, it's hard to describe because there's no words that we have that can describe just how beautiful his eyes are. When you left the hospital, um, what did you see as you were leaving? When I left the hospital, the angels, they, one of them took me and flew me up to heaven. But I could see down, and I could see my dad and my mom, and they were both in separate rooms having separate conversations. With who? Well, they were both praying to God, seeing it, making sure that I would come out of the operation. All right. Sonia, you're, you're sort of the untold story the first time. Uh, in the book, and now you're coming out with what, what were you praying at that, at that moment uh, when he was in the operating room? Um, that he would come back. Um, we knew he was very, very sick, and I also was on my cell phone trying to get him on every prayer chain possible um, because I believed um, in the power of prayer, and I knew we were at a point we needed to sound the alarm and get as many people praying. What, what was going on with you when the, when the doctor was talking about how, how can we get him to another medical facility? What, you know, the, this is happening, and, and you're wondering, am I getting ready to lose my child? Yeah, I, I, it, was, it was hard to see him in that point because he was a very uh, vibrant boy, and just to see him just lay there and not respond to toys, friends, uh, food, you know, anything that way he would n normally respond to, and just to see your boy like that was um, very devastating. But... You, you knew you had to make some decisions and do some things, so you, you had to kind of put your emotions to the side and decide what, how, can we, how can we make this happen, and then also pray. Well, what got you to the point where you said, okay, I've got to put things in motion. I've got to get, on, I've got to get them on, on prayer chains. I've got to get a lot of prayer going here. Um, 
for a lot of people, when these overwhelming events happen, there's a tendency to just want to shut down. Mm-hmm. But you got up and mm-hmm. got into action. Mm-hmm. You, why? I, I don't. Yeah, you can shut down, but we, um, like Todd and I, both agree he wasn't gone yet, and so we we still um, we still had time, and time was on our side. And I come from a, a pastor's family, so I was of course calling my dad and calling my brother, and and just calling every prayer chain we could put him on, and and just sound the alarm and get as many people because you know when one or two are gathered together. Um, we, I wanted more than that because we knew it was, we're you, desperate. You wanted thousands. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Not yes. just one or two, you yes. wanted thousands. <laughs> All right, Todd, what, what was your prayer? What, what were you praying at this time? Well, you know, I, it was desperate. I, I think uh, for me, you know, having the role of pastor, dad, husband, you know, I didn't want my boy to know how afraid I was. I wanted to be strong for my wife, and yet everything inside me at that moment, especially with him screaming, for me to protect him and me to do something, I couldn't do anything. Um, I, I was looking for a place to hide before I could shut the door, pull the curtains. And when I prayed in that room, it, it wasn't a prayer that was pastoral. It wasn't, I didn't pray scripture. I was mad. I was upset. I was God. Uh, the only thing I could think of is when David was pleading for the life of his son. I, my son's not gone yet, and I need you now. And, uh, um, you know, it's probably the most honest prayer I've ever prayed in my life. And I, I think some people have asked me, because Colton shared later, Dad, uh, the reason why Jesus sent me back is he was answering your prayer. Hmm. And people have asked me, why, why did God answer your prayer? And all I can say is that's the most honest prayer I've ever prayed in my life. I mean, there was completely no role playing. I was just a dad that was desperate. And, and I think when we get in circumstances in life that are a crisis, we all want to run. The question is, am I going to run away from God or run to God at that moment? And I would just run into him with everything I had. I, I just got to have you show up now. Yeah. Um, I, I know for me, the, my, my daughter went through surgery. It wasn't as dramatic as what happened to you, but it was, it was probably the hardest thing yeah. to see her rolled away on a gurney and wonder, is she going to come back? Yeah. Um, and, and where do you go with that? Yeah, it, and it's, it's not a yeah. time for a polished prayer. No, You're not in pastor mode. No, you're I in, know. God, I need you now, and yeah. I need you to show up now. Yeah. All right, we're going to have more. Um, Jesus wasn't the only person Colton met in heaven, and we're going to have more, and we're going to prove to you that this story is true because he learned some things in heaven that he didn't know on earth. That's up right after this. Well, less than two hours after Colton Burpo was wheeled away for surgery, he was awake and alive. At that moment, Colton told his father that he almost died. Four months later, Colton told his father the rest of the story, and we're going to get the rest of the story. What was the first thing that that got you going, um, Todd, that something significant happened? Well, when we were driving back through North Platte, we, we, we finally had maybe healed from the experience enough to kind of joke about it. We said, Colton, do you want to go back to the hospital? And he, he goes, oh, no, send my big, send Cassie. You know, he offered up his big sister pretty quick, which we expected that. But he said, but, Dad, you know, why was there the angels sang to me? Mm-hmm. And angels are not something that we discuss very often. Now, uh, we have Bible stories in church, read Bible lessons. We talk about Jesus all the time. But angels, that, that, that totally was a very rarely talked about subject. And you talk about angels maybe at Christmas time, uh, the, the nativity story. But when he said they sang to him and he was very definite, 
that's what captured our attention. And we're like, okay, what did we miss? And then he said, well, Dad, you know, Jesus had the angels sing to me. And then when we asked him, well, where was Jesus? He's like, well, Dad, I was sitting on his lap. And that's where I, I was shocked. I'm like, well, how do you know that? And then when he started saying, well, Dad, I can see you. And then he started taking over the conversation. And then he talked to me about me being in that room all by myself. My wife at that moment didn't know where I was. As a matter of fact, I'd slipped away. And when I came back to her and brought my stuff back, she was mad at me. Like, where have you been? I've been out here all by myself. You haven't been around me. And her cell phone battery was about out, so can I use your phone? I never told her where I was. You don't brag about prayers like that, even to your mm -hmm. wife. And then all of a sudden, here's my son. Dad, Telling I saw you. you. Yeah. yeah, I saw you. Um, and it was that desperate prayer. It was. That, when did you figure out that uh, this wasn't just Jesus coming into the hospital room? Well, but this I, was something a whole lot more. This is about a week later. We, go, we went to the, the trip to Sonia's brother's house. Then we come back, and uh, I, I wanted to go there because when he said he saw Jesus, you know, it was just burning in my mind. What did he look like? And so I started asking him some questions. And, and again, uh, Colton's a typical boy. Sometimes he wants to talk. Sometimes he wants to play. But then all of a sudden, he would just take over. I said, Colton, remember you said you saw Jesus? He goes, yeah. And all of a sudden, he looks up at me and says, Dad, do you know Jesus' cousin baptized him? I go, y well, yeah. <laughs> well, I saw him, and he's really nice. And then, do you know Jesus has a horse? And then he starts going on and on, and pretty soon this conversation just took off before I knew it. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, you, you said you were in the hospital with Jesus. And wait a minute, did you go to heaven? He's like, oh, yeah, I did, Dad. And that's when I first dawned on me that that's, that's, that's what happened. And I imagine a whole bunch of biblical pas passages started popping into your mind with each one of his statements. And you're going, oh, yeah. and, how, would and he, how would he know that? Exactly. And he would confirm stuff, you know, and um, being a pastor and, and knowing what was in the Bible and, and knowing what my preschool curriculum teaches and how he was going so much further beyond that, you're just like, okay, this didn't come from home. This didn't come from church. And uh, it obviously came from something he experienced. Well, Colton, something else came where you, you met a sister you had never met before. Tell us about that. Well, she actually met me at the gates of heaven. She just ran out and hugged me. At first I was like, who are you? And then she told me who she was. But back when I was three, I didn't like hugs, so. <laughs> Do you like hugs today? Um, kind Not of so grown much. into it more, but. Not so much. No. Not so much. So she comes out and hugs you. How'd you know it was your sister? Well, actually, she's the one that told me who she was. Mm -hmm. I had no idea who she was. Who else did you meet? Um, I met my great-grandpa, Pop. Mm -hmm. And then I also met King David, Samson, the apostles Peter and John, and Mary. Wow. You got quite a tour. How, how long were you there? Well, I'm not too sure how long, but when I came back to Earth, I told my dad I was up there for three minutes. There was no way I could have saw that in three minutes. So time sort of changes. Yeah. You know, the time that's passing here in a hospital room is different than the time that's passing in heaven. Yeah. Um, Sonia, let me ask you, um, uh, who, who is the sister? Um, uh, between um, Cassie and Colton, we miscarried um, a baby. We didn't know it was a um, daughter. 
Um, we hadn't told the kids because um, how do you how do you tell anybody you had a miscarriage? You don't wear a T-shirt that said I just had a miscarriage. Um, and so when he told us that he had two sisters, it, it gave us such a healing. We never um, we thought we'd gotten over it. Um, but we still had that hurt, and this has provided some healing and, and some, she's okay, and it's a she. Yeah, I'm not sure it's ever anything you get over. My, my mother miscarried before me, and actually had gotten to the point where they had named the baby. Yeah. Um, and um, curiously, if there hadn't been a miscarriage, I wouldn't be here. Uh -huh. um, so I'm, I'm really encouraged that I'm going to meet James Gordon um, yeah. uh, one day. And at the gate. <laughs> at the gate. He's going to come out and give me a hug, which yeah. is, is really nice. Yeah. What, what did Pop look like? Well, Pop, when I saw him, he was a young man in his late 20s, early 30s. That's what everybody looks like in heaven. But... I, I'm, I'm liking that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you look like your young self. But you met children, too. Yeah. yeah. You know, are, are they going to grow older? Are they? Yes. Like, if you were miscarried or if you died as a kid, what you do is you will still grow to your prime. But then, once you hit your late 20s, early 30s, you stop and you stay at that age. Okay. Todd, how did you know he had actually met Pop? Well, I, I would take Pop, you know... Uh, when I was a little kid, he, we were so close. He started telling me about things I did with Pop when I was a kid and how nice Pop was. But when he could talk about things I did with Pop, I was like, how do you know that? Well, Pop told me. So I'd take him to pictures because I, I wanted to get a description of Pop and he couldn't recognize him as the Pop that I knew at 61. But my, it finally dawned on me with the descriptions he gave us of his sister, how she looked a lot like Cassie but not quite as big. It was like, well, that's what I'd expect her to look like this side of heaven, except with wings. But so eventually I said, okay, mom, do you happen to have a picture of Pop as a young man? So she sent me one, and this took a while to get it. I just hand Colton the picture. And, no, and I had never at, at any time, uh, uh, had he ever seen this? This picture was one that was put up in a closet before he was born. And I just said, Colton, take a look at this. And it's a family picture. We have it in the book. And without even hesitating, Colton just stops and goes, hey, how did you get a picture of Pop? Right off, just like that. Huh. Now, there's no drugs, no teacher, nothing that could have spurred that memory. The only thing that could have answered it is he saw him. Wow. Here is Todd Burpo talking about Akiana Kramerik's Prince of Peace. Uh, if you've seen the movie or read the book, you, you know that um, after this whole experience, every time uh, Todd and Colton would maybe be at a different church for a funeral or at a hospital or somewhere where there was a picture of Jesus, uh, Todd would say, what about this one? And, and Colton was like, no. Uh, and this was kind of an ongoing experience until they stumbled upon this particular picture. I'm going to put it up on the screen. Uh, they, so they stumbled upon this picture. And for the first time, you didn't get the normal response. Could you tell us what happened at this moment? And then assume we know nothing and, and tell us the background of this painting and how it came about. Well, <clears throat> Akiana Kramerik, one of the things in the movie... Uh, she's a Lithuanian-American. Uh, her parents were atheists. She'd never been to church a day in her life. And her experience is very, very different from Colton's. Uh, Jesus started visiting her in visions and dreams, okay? So she never had a near-death experience. She never almost died. And, um, and she's just proof that God has all kinds of ways to reach people, amen? 
It's just, and here's Jesus. I, I still believe you need to know Jesus, but Jesus is, is fortunately not limited to our resources and just our methods to reach people. And here he is speaking with, talking to this little girl who's obviously an incredible artist and at age eight paints that painting. And uh, we, we, we ventured out to one church, our first church we ever spoke to in Colorado Springs. And, and one of the persons there that year saw the documentary about Akiana Kramaric on CNN and said, boy, she sounds just like Colton. Her descriptions of heaven, all the colors and everything and, and was mesmerized. So she contacted us and said, you need to see this. So I had Colton look at this painting and I said, okay, Colton, what's wrong with this painting? And he just froze. Colton, what's wrong with this painting? And he's just, he's just locked. And Colton is a very, very black and white person. You know, he doesn't say he gets up at 7.30. I got up at 7.27. He's still that way, okay? If you want to have dis- discriminating, okay? He says, Dad, that's right. It is the only painting ever. And when I put that in the book, I anticipated all kinds of people to contact me and say, well, I saw Jesus, I went to heaven, and he didn't look like that. I've had zero people do that, what, 13 million copies later? I've had thousands of people say that's exactly what he looks like. In the next episode, we'll jump into the main storyline.